What is up, Internet? Welcome to another episode of the Team Ability No Excuses podcast, bringing real talk to matters of disability with no excuses. My name is Chad, but you know that already, and I'm usually surrounded by Brett and Andy, although not physically these days. Brett or Andy, I don't care who goes first, say hello. Hello, Internet. <laughs> hello, World Wide Web. <laughs> Whoa, switching it up, Brettsky, going old school. He's, I like that. Yeah, he's speaking to the whole WWW today. And hello to the outside universe that's beyond our atmosphere. Wow. Is that because you recently went up to your cottage and now you're back on dial-up? Well, here's the thing. I, I thought that we lived in a bubble in the GTA, and I realized in the last two weeks there's no such thing as the bubble when you live outside the GTA. So Listen, don't throw Andy and I in your GTA bubble. I'm happy to be Oh, sorry. Greater, greater Horseshoe, Hamilton. Something. Something, yeah. Like. Everything's got acronyms these days. It's crazy. That's awesome. Listen, I was trying to make uh, the other guy laugh here. We got a guest here, and I want to introduce him. <laughs> Boys, I hope you guys are uh, are doing great. And I'm going to let Brett introduce our guest who has uh, joined us tonight for what I think will be an awesome episode. I think uh, – I think all of our listeners are going to enjoy what our guest has to say um, and very excited to have him with us tonight. But I want to circle back because Brett has been spending some time in cottage country. So before we introduce our guest, what does um, accessibility look like for you up there? Is it a bit of a nightmare or, or what? So I have to be honest with all of you. Uh, my mom's was looking for a cottage back when my dad was alive, back when we were kids. So I'm turning, I'm in my mid thirties. Uh, cl- clicking the uh, the old uh, age up uh, one more uh, this pa- this coming summer. Um, so uh, she's been uh, looking for a cottage for probably 25 or 30 years. Uh, obviously needed to be accessible because my needs are uh, unique. Um, we, we, we won't uh, su- suggest that uh, I, I'm uh, greedy or uh, I, I need some exceptional uh, uh, things uh, for my uh, my uh, comfortability in a cottage comfortability Com- comfortability what a, what a great word uh, in a cottage setting. But uh, so uh, she found a cottage and uh, she put an in, uh, an offer in on it. And uh, in the last two weeks, we've put some ramps up and down uh, on the property so I can get down to the water, uh, throw a fishing line in, have a couple of. Uh, adult beverages on the dock and uh it, it's been great it, it's a completely different change of pace up there and you know what the reason i realized it's great is because right now as everybody knows we're su- supposed to be in quote unquote quarantine and we're dealing with the covid and <laughs> so getting away from the big smoke dealing with the covid it has been a huge change yeah so maybe yeah, sorry go ahead, go ahead andy uh, well, a couple of things. I love how you uh, kind of trademarked comfortability because Ooh, as far as I know, we could put a dash I know, that's not a word, but the word would be comfort. And uh, But hold on. But, if we did comfort dash ability, right, then it's relevant to the podcast. No, that, yeah, you're, you're taking words out of my mouth. Uh, I'm thinking with, with my noggin tonight. Well, and here's the thing, Andy, that that's exactly why I did what I did. Uh, I mean, <laughs> uh, it, it's um, 
Not not because you had inadequate schooling. No, uh, no, no, no. Wait, oh. I mean, I, I I appreciate that you call me out on stuff like that, but uh, sometimes it's just better left unsaid. <laughs> Listen, as you said, we have a guest, and I want to be respectful of his time. So uh, before we uh, we get to him, I had just had to give you the gears. So um, also, I just wanted to say very quickly, I think your mom has to be a saint because. Uh, to my knowledge, I've never met the woman, but if she's finding a co- cottage and she already lives with you and the cottage also has to suit your needs, man, if it was me, I'd be looking for a way to get away from you. <laughs> well, and that's why she put a ramp on the dock so I can get down to the dock, throw a fishing line, line into the water and have some beers. <laughs> away from her? Yeah. So oh. we're, we're, we're 30 feet apart <laughs> almost all the time. That's awesome, man. Uh, listen, uh, we're we're we just hit the five minute mark, so let's uh, let's throw to you, and you can uh, introduce our guest, gentlemen. We are very pleased to be able to welcome a young man who I was lucky enough to meet a number of years ago on a go train on the way back from or to the Toronto Maple Leafs hockey game uh, and um, I've been following him a little bit on social media and uh, so I'm pleased to introduce to both of you Clayton Therio uh, who lives in Oakville Ontario Canada Clayton welcome to the show yeah thanks for having me guys I appreciate it so first of all uh, tell us about Clayton Therio oh man that's uh that's a long story, but, um, well, just your typical Canadian, you know, I love hockey and, uh, love our, our music and our culture. And, and, uh, you know, I started my cognizant clay to raise awareness for the disabled community, just like you guys are doing. And, you know, I just try to live life to the best of my ability, to the most positive of my ability and just, you know, just, just enjoy life. And I, I think that's, the number one thing about me is just positivity and, you know, moving forward. Yeah, man. And, and that's the funny thing. Like um, you've been listening to, to us a, a little bit uh, over the last uh, couple of months. And uh, we kind of have the same mindset where we're very, uh, we're relaxed and uh, we, we bring uh, disability uh, thoughts to the table, but uh, we, we try desperately not to, uh, like sugarcoat stuff. And uh, that, that's, I think that's what, what drew us to you. Um, but so you've got this, uh, this YouTube channel um, and you call yourself Cognizant Clay. Well, who is Cognizant Clay? Tell us about what your YouTube channel is about. Well, I picked Cognizant because it's a, you know, a synonym for awareness. So I figured you know, the double C, because my name's Clayton, would be good. And, you know, my channel's just about interviewing not only disabled people, but people in the disabled community who either work with charities or advocacy groups or are disabled themselves. And I, I just wanted to share the stories of disabled people to show, you know, everyone that, you know, you don't have to pity us, you don't have to you know, feel bad for us, but we can actually bring a lot to society. And I think, 
I think the perspective is needed because like you say, you can't really sugarcoat it. The second you sugarcoat it, then you're, you're kind of lying to yourself in a way. So I, I thought just, you know, share their stories openly and, and honestly, and honestly, it's been a lot of fun. So listen, man, um, you've talked about kind of, well, not kind of, you've, you've said who you are and what you're doing, but, uh, what what is your what is what's your challenge? What's your disability? Uh, I have I have Duchenne muscular dystrophy. So just the it's a degenerative uh, muscle condition where my muscles get weaker over time. But it's it, it is a you know it's obviously a terrible disability. But I don't let it stop me, and you know I'm very uh, self deprecating and and have <laughs> that sense of humor that I find really helps, and and I think. You know, I get looked at like I'm insane in public sometimes, but I think it's all in the, it's all in good fun. And, you know, like you guys, it's just, if you can give your friends a hard time and they can give you a hard time back, I, I think, you know, you're going to be happier to, to be absolutely honest with you. And you know what, that that's the thing we, uh, you, you know, that uh, we bust on each other quite a bit on this podcast and uh, I can speak only for myself. Um, outside these two guys, uh, I bust on my other friends quite a bit. Some of them can handle it. Some of them can't. And I mean, these two bust on me, uh, off the podcast as well. So, I mean, I think that that is a characteristic that, uh, it'll either make you or you'll, it'll break you. Uh, that the busting has actually brought the two or the three of us closer together. Um, I've known Chad for Oh, it seems like 30 years. I was going to say it's about over, over 30. Yeah. And um, I've known Andy for probably 20. Uh, and I mean, again, like if you've listened to the podcast, um, Chad and I originally probably didn't even like each other back when we were <laughs> kids. And then uh, again, I met Andy and. I was going to say, and then Andy, Andy uh, disliked Brett even, even more. <laughs> right, 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 right away. I didn't even have to introduce myself. Um but but I, I I think that it's that humor and it's that openness and that honestness and that that ability to to relate and the ability to not take life so seriously and realize that we're we do have disabilities we're we're, we're gentlemen with disabilities but we desperately don't let it get to us or to let it define us. I think that's, that's exactly cool. it. Yeah. I think that's super cool. Clay, I want to circle back uh, just cause I mean, I haven't met you in person. Uh, we were talking a little bit off the air here before we got started. Uh, just as you, uh, as you joined us and, and you said, and I said, nice to meet you. And you said, nice to e-meet you. I said, we gotta, we got to, you have to uh, uh, copyright that one for, for your socials. Um, so you use YouTube as your, as your main platform, uh, which obviously has a video component on our podcast here. We're audio only. So I wonder for the benefit, and, and I'm assuming, and again, we've talked about this before, we don't really know uh, the demographic or makeup of our listeners. But of course, we assume that maybe even the majority of our listeners are listeners with various disabilities of some kind, although we have really strived uh, to bring awareness to those issues. And so I know a lot of my coworkers uh, listen as well. So maybe back up a little bit. Uh, and uh, you, you sort of talked about uh, your diagnosis of Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Um, but maybe back up a little bit as to uh, when you were diagnosed, what's it looked for you? What's it looked like for you? 
Um, uh, my diagnosis is cerebral palsy, Andy's as well, Brett's uh, spina bifida. So uh, congratulations for being the first with muscular dystrophy on the No Excuses podcast. You're, you're a pioneer. <laughs> but, but, but maybe explain a little bit of it uh, and its challenges to our listeners who are unfamiliar. Okay, so my my mom actually noticed uh, when I was nine months, I was diagnosed and leading up to that um when you have muscular dystrophy, your liver's actually enlarged as a baby. So for most of the day, I would just wail, just scream and cry. And my mom brought me to the doctor and they're like, it's colic. And my mom goes, well, no, it's not colic. Like I've worked in a hospital my whole career. There's no way it's colic. She goes, the cries are unlike anything I've ever heard. So I got my muscle biopsy at, I believe, eight months. And then a month later, the test came back for Duchenne. And in terms of challenges, um, when I was growing up, I could actually walk until I was about 12. And then just as the degeneration progresses, it it just gets worse and worse. And now at 27, um, I pretty much need help with anything physical. So like washroom stuff, um, cutting food, uh, whatever it is, shifting positions sometimes. I need full assistance, but honestly, I don't really see them as negative challenges because, yeah, it's like I said, it's not a very nice disability. None of them are, but I think I've just managed it very well. Like the way I see it is I had the ability to run around when I was a kid and you know what I mean? Like I had those opportunities. So you know, I just get weaker is about all I can really say it, at, at my age now. And I'm sure you guys can relate. It's, it's kind of hard to put it into words because you live it every day anyway, if that makes sense. Absolutely. man. Absolutely. Um, you know, even just listening to you and again, we haven't met and matter of fact, I can't wait till I can meet you face to face. Um, and, uh, once all this, once all this chaos is done and to our listeners, if you're listening, hope you're staying safe. Um, but we're in this world now where, where we have to be apart. And so as I listen to you uh, talk here, I, I already want to spend time with you. And, and it's hearkening to a point that we have touched on a lot. And I, and I want to go there with you. And I want to get back to letting Brett kind of take point because he knows you on a personal level, which is something that Andy and I don't. But I'm listening to you talk. And I've always, even myself, admired um, – individuals and here we go again with the we're not inspirations but i've always admired um, individuals that i've known through sledge hockey other various sports with degenerative muscle conditions for their ability to remain positive and i'm already marveling over your ability to, to, to do that so i wonder how you would respond because you must have heard it if guys like me and brett and andy have heard it you must have heard the oh you're so inspiring so how do you how do you respond to something like that mr cognizant clay <laughs> well, it is an awkward thing because I find a lot of the time, like, like I can recall a specific story. Actually, last summer, my girlfriend and I were on the bus and this person came up to us and said, you're so inspiring. And I just awkwardly said, thank you, because it's like <laughs> I'm on the bus. I'm doing what you're doing. I'm just I'm existing. Like, you know what I mean? It, or the grocery store. It, yeah, I'm just buying groceries like. I'm not, I'm not inspiring for that. I mean, I think it's relative though, because if someone like I've had a few comments saying your, your interviews are inspiring and, and that, that means something to me, but I find generally it's, 
for the most mundane of things and it just it, it's so awkward I, I don't know if you guys can relate to that but I, I just I don't know what to say when I get told that to be honest yeah man, your, your bus example is is amazing like that that's the equivalent of you repeating back you're amazing as well because you're also riding the bus right like <laughs> you, you know true. what I mean so no, I, I I've been there. Uh, yeah, Chad's been there. I, yeah, so that's a great example. To follow that up, Clay, do you? And I imagine again, and you could you could speak for yourself, but I'm imagining it must have happened to you when you, if you get as far as somebody giving you the what happened or you know however they want to uh, they want to um, voice that. When you mention uh, MD, if they if they're familiar with it. Do you do you get the I'm sorry, right? Do you ever get the oh I'm so sorry and and how do you respond to something like that? Oh, all the time. I've gotten that on several occasions and I, honestly, I just I just address it right there and say you have no need to be sorry. Like I I, I kind of get the sentiment as well, but it's I don't know, it's just such a weird thing to say. Like even Gary V said I'm sorry, but if you guys have ever watched Gary V, I don't uh, I'm not saying I don't believe he's sorry, but I believe he was testing me because he's a very smart guy and he likes to feel out his viewers. So in that case, I kind of took it as he's just seeing what my mentality is. But when someone says, I'm sorry, I just literally say you have nothing to be sorry about. Like it's, it's not like you mutated my genes. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's amazing that was the one clip that i that i uh i was thinking about when i when i was setting up that question not necessarily hoping you would go there but i did watch your clip on gary v and i know how much uh that meant to you maybe we'll circle back to some of your media experiences and again i, I promise i'm gonna let brett do the talking here in a second but i i, I vividly remember that was that was the and i didn't think because i'm not as familiar with gary v as maybe you were um but i did see that and immediately I uh, remember kind of giving that eyebrows up reaction when he said, I'm sorry. Uh, and I knew just from uh, what I had seen on stuff on your Instagram and stuff that you were going to crush that and take it in stride. But uh, I, I didn't think about it maybe, you know, being a test for you, uh, but clearly you passed. Yeah. And I think he's just like that. He's very, uh, he's very abrasive in a lot of ways. And a lot of people don't really understand that. Like he swears a lot, Yeah, but it's who he is. So he doesn't change. And I think like, I, I was a little taken aback by it, but again, I, I believe truly that it was a test. It had to be. Well, and then, and that's the funny thing because we we we're talking here about uh, being real. And uh, you, you just pointed out that uh, Gary V he, he's authentic. He's as authentic as anybody could ever be. And, uh, and that's the thing that uh, personally I, I was drawn to you. I remember the first time I met you, it was actually a number of years ago on a go train, either coming to a sporting event or coming home from a sporting event. And you got on the train and you were with a young lady and I was with uh, a buddy of mine and, uh, I looked at you and I said, said to my buddy, I said, look at the way that guy carries himself. And it wasn't meant to be ignorant because, I mean, I, I, I do that. I observe disabled people every single time I'm in a public place like that. Not because, I'm again, I'm ignorant, but because I live that life. 
And I, I just, I, I can tell the kind of person you are based on how you carry yourself before I even say hello to you. And so my first impression was, look at that guy. He's probably cool shit. Um, I'm going to say hello. And I think I said hello to you very briefly uh, on the way off the train. Um, and uh, and then I was like, well, I, I probably will never see that guy again. And here we are years later. Uh, just, uh, I don't think it's happenstance. I, I think that... Uh, the things are uh, meant to be. Um, I, I knew right there. I think that uh, you were going to to uh, to do big things, and I, I mean, it sounds silly as hell. And it might be a, this might be a shitty conversation uh, piece, but um, realistically, like um, you've started this cognizant clay. You touched on Gary V. Um, Tell us a bit, a little bit more about uh, some of the guests that you've had, and uh, who's uh, who you've enjoyed speaking to, and um, just what what may be uh, the future of Cognizant Clay going forward in the next little while. Yeah, for sure. Well, first of all, appreciate the uh, the compliments there. I, I do I do really appreciate that. Um, there's been a lot. I mean, I'd say the highlight and. I'm sorry if any of my interviewees watch this and are offended, but Rick Mercer was definitely number one because it was just so happenstance. Like I emailed him and his email got back, his personal email got back to me and it was like, no offense to Rick, but riddled with spelling mistakes. Um, I think he's, (laughs) he's probably had a lot of, He's probably had a lot of PR guys do a lot of that stuff for him in the past because he was so busy all the time. And I honestly thought it was a scam because it just didn't seem right. Like, I almost was in denial that Rick Mercer said yes. Um, And we actually, that was, I think, my longest interview to date. It was over an hour. And he is just so accepting and so for advocating for the disabled community that you know we i think we spent 30 minutes alone just talking about accessibility and how you know it's it's and he said like it's not even people like you that this is going to affect he said it's it's the older generation that will Mm -hmm. all of a sudden wake up one morning and their, their knees will give out or their hips will give out and he he just went on this whole spiel about you know, his cottage in Newfoundland is fully accessible because he doesn't know if he'll be disabled or if, if one of his friends will be. And then there was also David Shannon. He was the first quadriplegic to uh, travel across Canada in a power wheelchair. That was another good one because he's a lawyer who defends uh, disabled people for free. It's totally pro bono and he, he will do legal counsel for disabled people free of charge and that was cool and i'd say the other one that really resonated with me was garrison red uh he's a u.s paralympic powerlifter and his cause is inclusion in the workplace and that was another really good one and and just everyone has been amazing i've been really grateful for the um like the comments from people watching and, and just what I'm doing for the disabled community means a lot to me. 
So can we pause for a second? Can we back up? Um, uh, so we we said you had a YouTube channel. Um, like, how did you get to that point? Like, how did you what What was your what was your process of saying? I, I want to start doing interviews. I want to I want to do blogs. Uh, pardon the pun, but walk us through that because so, you you kind of you something must have clicked for you to kind of start the start everything in motion, right? And what I think you're doing is awesome. Um, but just tell us how you got to that point, the starting point. Right. So back in, oh boy, what year would it have been? 2011? It's 10 or, yeah, it'd be 2011 because I, I did an extra grade in high school just to get my credits up to date. Um, I took print journalism at Sheridan. And to be honest, I didn't really, I don't really agree with the whole, like, point of journalism where where it's basically large companies controlling the narrative but I do not regret one bit going to college because I met some friends that I still talk to today and it's it's funny because none of them went into journalism either but but beyond that it's just I never finished the program fully because like I said I just don't really agree with the whole background of journalism how it like you see it right now in the states the controlling the narrative they they just pick they pick negatives and go run with it basically but the whole blog i just kind of took a shot in the dark to be absolutely honest i interviewing was my favorite part of journalism because you get to talk to a person straight up and it you know it's it's you and them and it's most of the time very genuine and very honest so I wanted to use interviewing as my main platform and back in February I took a social media marketing course and that's what really got me interested in it is the the whole marketing aspect. Yeah, this year, yeah. And that that really got me going and I I really wanted to do it and that, that basically after Gary V I did my first interview like 3 days later and now I've done there's 17 episodes out and I've done 18 interviews. So it's going pretty strong. Yeah, man, I was just looking at your channel uh, and you started uh, right as kind of COVID took off, right? So has that impacted what you're doing or is it, is it kind of enhanced it because uh, people have time to do interviews now? I believe personally and wholeheartedly that it, it, really impacted it and really helped it because like so many people like it's almost like we're closer together in a way in terms of being able to contact people like everybody had day jobs before and a lot of people are just at home not working because they're not essential and I think I think it enhanced it a lot because I I don't think I would have got half the people I got if it wasn't for COVID because they'd all be working and probably wouldn't have time for it. So yeah, I think it definitely helped. Clay, can we talk about, uh, let's talk about how you conduct your interviews uh, specifically. Is it a, uh, is it a case of just knowing your audience or is there, is there a, a special trick to how you conduct your interviews specifically or? Um, I wouldn't say necessarily there's a trick. I just, 
uh, knowing your audience is definitely a lot of it, but I also think, and this might come across as a little controversial, but, but I think like, pardon my language, but I think it's bullshit when people say, Oh, you should worry about what your audience thinks. Well, obviously you should care about your audience, but if you're going away from who you are as a person, just because you're scared what somebody's going to think of you, I, I think you're pretty much dead in the water at that point because then you're constantly stressed. Oh, am I offending someone? Oh, am I doing this? Am I doing that? And and honestly, I just went for it. I, I was, it took me a few years. I probably got the idea two years, two or three years ago, but then I started watching Gary Vee and he's always for like, just put content out. Stop worrying about what other people are going to think because you're just going to screw yourself if you if you're worried about everybody else instead of yourself. And in terms of the interviews themselves, I just I just use the base of of, you know, the first question is, how are you doing during COVID? Because that's a major thing right now. And then honestly, my first question is always, what's your disability? And, you know, what are the challenges involved? Because it, if you get to it right away, I think the stress is gone from your guest. Like, I, I feel like getting it off your chest right at the beginning is probably the best way to do it, in my opinion. So if you fast forward past when we uh, get out of COVID, it, it might be next week, probably not. It might yeah. be two years from now, more than more than likely. Um what what does that look like for you then uh if uh, your first question can't be uh how are you dealing with covid yeah um i mean i don't know that's a good question because it, it has been a major theme of my interviews but i think i'll find a way around it i think just asking how are you just at any time it, it really gives you kind of a feel for the person because I've had interviews like I've loved all of them, but not everybody has been open. A lot of people just give their answer and that's it. They don't expand on it. So I think when all this is over, I'll just continue with how are you doing? Like, I, I think, mm. I think that's just one of my, like, how's it going? I say to everybody, whether I know them or not. So I, I think it's being true to myself just to say, how are you to be honest? Right. And so how are you? And then they give an answer. And can you tell right away how the interview is going to go after you ask that question? Because I've noticed uh, with uh, with other uh, interviews that I've done, uh, independent of this podcast, you can pretty much tell right away how that podcast is going to go, how the <laughs> interview is going to go. Um, so can you tell pretty much right away how your interview is going to go after asking that first question? Generally, yes. And and the way I do my notes is I'll have dot jots, but before the dot jot, I have a full question with three or four different questions, depending on how I feel about the person. And, and I think that that's just... It's just being like, I, I don't mean to sound like I'm tooting my own horn, but I believe that's very being very prepared and you almost can't be over prepared for an interview because under prepared definitely exists. But if you're over prepared, you've got fallbacks. And most of the time on my interviews, they answer my question without me even having to ask it. So it, it most of the time it goes pretty good, but the ones that 
they're very closed. I just, you know, I fall back on my main questions instead of my dot jots. And I find that that's a very good fallback in case, because a lot of people are shy, right? So it, it, you know, maybe they're scared to share a detail. So I'll ask it in a few different ways to make them comfortable, because honestly, it, it feels so natural to me that I never feel awkward or ill-prepared, to be honest. Listen, man, this is this is fascinating to me because we're very open about the fact that uh, similar to you, I had this idea to do this, and I kind of had to just tell Chad he was doing it with me. <laughs> and then, uh, That's how it went. And then later, Brett Brett joined, and here we are. But um, so anybody could start a podcast. Anybody could start a YouTube channel. At, we're, we're proof of that. But you you kind of just went for it, right? You just said, "I, I want to have X Y Z as guests." So how does that? Do you just reach out to them and see what happens, or what what does that look like? Um, honestly, what I do is, 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 is a, I hate to just keep bringing this guy up, but Gary V has what's called the dollar 80 strategy. And that's putting your two cents in to 90 things a day, which sounds like a lot. And I haven't, I haven't come anywhere near to 90 things a day, but what he recommends is following the hashtags on Instagram, which mine are like accessibility, inclusion, disability awareness, charity, and so on, just all things related to people with disabilities and the disabled community. And I find the top posts and I message these people, but (laughs) that's only some of the time. Most of the time I'll get recommended someone and look into them and just either message them on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. And honestly, I've, I've had a lot of success just reaching out and being just being genuine and nice to them. And, And I find mentioning something about them in the first paragraph usually brings them in to say, you know, I am informed on what you're doing. I'm not just firing a shot in the dark and hoping it works. And and I think a lot of people, some people have read my messages and not even responded, seen them and just not said anything. And honestly, I don't get offended. Maybe they just don't want to do it and they're too, they feel too bad to shut me down. But yeah, just direct messages and emails. Emails are probably the number one, I would say. Like Rick Mercer, I just emailed info at rickmercer.com and he got back to me. So wow. that's basically it. Just just message people and hope they respond, really. So that, then are you structured in when you interview? Are you like one interview a week, one episode a week? Or are you pumping out as many interviews as you can and then scheduling the episodes to air consistently. So my, my scheduling is consistent. I post every Tuesday and Friday. Um, but generally the interviews aren't really structured. It's usually based on their availability. It's usually in the afternoon on the weekends or early week. And then I just schedule it for the Tuesdays and Fridays. And, and I posted Melanie Houghton's yesterday because of Blackout Tuesday. I, I just didn't feel right posting on Tuesday just because of what's going on. So I skipped that week. But Tuesdays and Fridays usually is when I post. And I try to have two or three in the bank just in case it's a dry week, so to speak. 
Yeah, right on. Right on. Um, we've talked about him a lot already. Uh, Gary V, when I was uh, when I was looking at maybe starting a podcast, he was uh, a big source for me as well, along with a couple other guys. I've kind of fallen off to uh, uh, keeping up with him just because he pumps out so much content. But uh, how, how did that all come about? How did the tea with Gary V, how did that go? So I got pretty lucky here because a lot of people don't get responses. So he started, he started, I, I want to say about a year or two ago. I can't remember the exact details, but he, they have like a, not a burner phone because he's not a criminal, but they have a backup phone with a number where his fans can text him and it's run by his team, and every time they get one, if you if they respond, he, like, oversees what they respond to you. And I messaged him, like, a week before I was on, and they got back to me, like, five days later and just said, you're going to be a guest this coming Tuesday or Friday, whatever day of the week it was, and they, they basically just send you an invite to their zoom call and you just wait in the queue until it's your turn. And yeah, I just texted them and they got back to me and sure enough, I was on about seven or eight days later and that was it. That's cool, man. The social media marketing side of you, uh, must've been like, I mean, did you, did you fanboy a little bit? Because I mean, you've mentioned, you know, you're a fan of, of Gary V too. Like what were your, initial reactions to holy cow this is happening and then when you found out was there did you feel added pressure on yourself to you know stay true to your message or or convey what you wanted to convey to your audience and some of the people that that knew you well my initial response was me yelling yes which scared the living shit out of my dad <laughs> um but he knew it was genuine and I kind of felt bad for scaring him because my dad absolutely hates being scared. I think a lot of people do, but I, I fanboyed a little bit, but it wasn't like super crazy because I know he's a genuine guy and I know he doesn't, you know, he's just a guy at the end of the day. And I try to tell myself that for everybody. It's like, yeah, he has more money than me, but ultimately he's just a person who has, a big audience and and I was just very grateful to be able to share my message and it was honestly I was a little nervous going in like the adrenaline was pumping and then almost as soon as he said hi to me it was like okay this is real and it kind of just <laughs> the penny just dropped and I was like okay I better focus because if I freak out too much I might scare the guy away you know what I mean and it was it was just such a cool experience and and I I'm I'll be forever grateful for it, to be honest, because he he kind of gave me the motivation to start because a lot of his tea with Gary V's are a lot of people that are very, you know, shy or very closed. And he almost seemed like he had faith that I would do it. And that put me at ease to be able to start because he he didn't even question it. He just thought it was a good idea. And he said, go for it. And I just asked him, like, you know, what platforms do you recommend? And I think the other question was, how do I not be boring as an interviewer? And <laughs> he just said to a T verbatim, you got to go with left field shit as in just, just ask random stuff to start or 
in the middle somewhere just to kind of make it fun and not seem like just a boring question and answer. And, and honestly, I don't feel that I'm boring. Um, sometimes I kind of think to myself, well, am I boring? And then I get all these good comments and I've so far haven't gotten a negative one. So hopefully I'm doing a good job. And uh, that's about all I can say about that. So you, you've got to teach me how not to fanboy because uh, with Accessible Media Incorporated, uh, some of the guys uh, and I run a uh, podcast called The Neutral Zone, and we had Dan Schulman from ESPN on a number of weeks ago, and I fanboyed the shit out of myself, <laughs> and uh, it, to the point where we I nearly ruined it. Um, so uh, I, I need to learn that from you. If uh, we can ever get out of this quarantine, we'll we'll have a beer and sit down, and you can tell me uh, to pull my play charging. Yeah, no, 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 don't charge me. I, I, I'm poor. I live with my mother. Um, <laughs> I, you'll just have to t- teach me how to pull my head out of my ass and act like an adult instead of a four-year-old. <laughs> I'll try. I, I don't know. That might be a hard task there, Brett. Yeah, one more question about Gary V, and only because you were the interviewee as opposed to the interviewer. How does your mindset change? Um like you said already, he's one of your heroes. Is um, the reason you started this? Uh, does your prep change at all? Um, not really. I mean, it is definitely different when it's opposite. But I think because I hadn't started yet, it was more of a, a kind of like a teacher teaching you stuff rather than an interview itself. Um, and I just basically told myself, you know what, just keep collected, ask what you need to ask and just be yourself. Because at the end of the day, if you botch it, that's basically on you. It's not, you know what I mean? It's like, I have the responsibility to ask what I need to ask. I don't know if I'll ever get an opportunity like this again. So just, just keep calm. Don't freak out too much. Just ask what you need to ask. And I, I think the prep is different, but I, I think as long as you know yourself and you're confident, I, that's about all you really need to be interviewed by someone, if if you ask me anyway. And that's so important. That, that That's a really good point. I remember, again, going back to the other podcast that I'm a part of, uh, we were interviewing John Shannon from Sportsnet, and I was talking to going to talk to him about the Winnipeg Jets and Kevin Shevelday off. And for some reason, the name Tim Shevelday popped into my head. And if anybody knows anything about early 90s hockey... Yeah, Detroit Red Wings goaltender. Detroit Red Wings <laughs> goaltender. And as yep. soon as I said his name, my face went white. And I, and I said to myself, well, the shit's about to hit the fan. And he called me out. He said that I, I sounded an awful lot older than I am. And it, it, we just... I was horrified for about six weeks later. And uh, I mean, now we're we're a year or two after this interview and I'm just like, "Ah, you know, shit happens, but uh, you're absolutely right. Be prepared and uh, be prepared for the consequences. If you, if you do boondoggle a question. Yeah. And that's just it. It it happens though. It does. I've been in that position before and it, it does suck. But at the end of the day, like all you can do now is laugh about it. Right. I mean, it's, it happened. And that's it. 
just just laugh about it. That's all I can say. I, I laugh at myself all the time, so it's not hard for me. I like to laugh at myself because if I can't laugh at myself, I'm not allowed to laugh at other people. And I really like laughing at other people. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, so Clay, this has been a blast, man. You have uh, been sharing a lot about yourself that, dare I say, is quote-unquote inspiring. That's a, a, a loaded word for guys <laughs> like us. And um, But I think that uh, we are fired up to have you here tonight, and we're not done with you yet. I want uh, any of our listeners uh, who don't know you uh, to follow you and, and to get in touch with what you're doing because, as I mentioned, I think there is a ton of overlap between our messages here on the Team Ability No Excuses podcast and your channel in Cognizant Clay. So how do our listeners, if they don't know you, never heard you, and are just listening to you for the first time, um, how, do they get, uh, how do they get at you? How do they listen to what you're doing? How do they follow you? All right. Well, on Instagram, it's just Cognizant Clay, all one word, and same with Twitter. But on YouTube and Facebook, it's Cognizant Clay, like Cognizant Space Clay, and... Those are about it. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube are the four ones that I use. And that's pretty much it. Just Cognizant Clay and you'll find me. We have gotten to know the fact that you are, uh, you know, who you are and what you stand for. Pardon the pun. Um, <laughs> we, we, we know that you are an interviewer. Um, and I understand that on your uh, social channels and your things, you're a, you're a, a fan of, of rapid fire questions. Is that true? Yes, very true. Oh, this is like probably my favorite part of the whole thing. All right. So our, our token thing that we do, we do is a, we call it the offside moment. Maybe we'll get to that at the end. Um, but I want to uh, – you clearly know what you're talking about, man. And, and we've been talking too much. So I want to give you uh, some time on our podcast to uh, be the interviewer. Uh, and, again, in the spirit of transparency uh, – and, again, our tagline here is bringing real talk to matters of disability with no excuses – so be cognizant, Clay. You know, put the uh, take the Clayton Terrio hat off and, and put the cognizant Clay hat on, and be cognizant, Clay, for us for a second, uh, and shoot us some questions, and and we'll try to uh, answer them rapid fire style. Yeah, no, sounds good. Well, the question I always ask is, I always focus on where the people are from. So I want to know what your guys' favorite people are from Ontario. Try to keep it singular if you can, but if, if you can't think of just one, that's fine. Favorite people from Ontario. Yeah, singularly favorite person of each of you three. And he's doing the classic interviewee move where he repeats the question to buy himself more time to think. <laughs> yeah, no, it, that, that would be a long list, man. And uh, favorite... You guys will laugh, and I... I I edit the podcast, so I might not include this, but um, I got to go with the Beebs, man. And I, that's wow. Okay, no, you got to keep that. There's no editing out that you love the Beebs. <laughs> I, I don't necessarily love his music or all the things that he does, but I will say, how many people do you know from Stratford, Ontario, that are now? World famous. We'll just keep it simple. I mean, the the things that kid has gone through, and I say kid, he's probably what late twenties now. But I mean, to do what he did is is amazing. Say what you want about his personal life and his music, but from a um from a from a where he started standpoint to where he is now, uh, 
I, I think it's just amazing. But um, yeah, yeah, I'll keep that for sure. Right, That's right. my well, answer. I'll admit that you surprised me with that one, Andrew Paul. I didn't, I didn't see that. I, I won't say that my, you know, my heart wants to say that my my favorite people from Ontario are Andrew Moore and, and Brett Wills. But um, I'm going to go the sort of celebrity route as well. Um, uh, Clay, you may not know this about me, about me, but certainly the other two guys do. I'm a musician at heart, and uh, my favorite songwriter of all time is from Kingston, Ontario. His name's Gord Downey, and so I'm going to go Gord Downey on that one uh, just because I love him as a writer, and there is a piece of Canadiana in everything that he did, and because of him, I know where Bob Cajun is, so there you go. <laughs> Beautiful. I love it. And this probably doesn't surprise anybody. Um when I was growing up, uh, before I actually realized that I had a disability and that things were going to take a hard left turn, uh, I wanted to be Wayne Gretzky. So my favorite person that was born in Ontario is Wayne Gretzky. Yo, man, I, um, that was going to be my other – that was going to be my answer as well. Um, and then you went with Bieber? You went from Gretzky to Bieber. Yeah, well, I knew. Have you seen Brett's license plate? I knew yes, right away. Yeah, we'll give it up for the whole internet because then when he cuts some guy off on the on the four hundred three, we're gonna. You know, <laughs> that's so this, well, I, I, I like to keep you guys on your toes, so that's why I went with the Beebs. But uh, listen, hold up! I'm gonna back you up for just a second and be that token handicap guy on this podcast. You got three guys sitting around uh, in their wheelchairs. We're we're not we're not getting our feet on the ground for nothing. <laughs> it's, a, it's a figure of speech, and um, I stand by what I said. Stop rubbing in that you could stand, Andy. It's this, this you're gone too far. <laughs> Listen, Clayton, I've said it already. I, I had a blast tonight, man. Is there anything else you want to say for our listeners, and or is there anything we can do to help you out? Oh, well, I think having me on the show is help enough. Um, not much else I can add apart from, you know, thanks for what you guys are doing for the disabled community. And I hope, uh, you know, I can continue to do the same. And I, I think it is important to speak about it. And yeah, check me out if if you're if you want a positive thing to watch during all this crazy times. And that's about it. All right, before we sign off, Clay, uh, it wouldn't be an episode of the No Excuses podcast without an offside moment. Now, we've stayed away from this one for a little while uh, just because of, as you've touched on earlier, the uh, gravity of what's happening in the world, the serious tone all over the world. But I think our listeners uh, could use a smile. And I haven't met you in person, but I know you probably got a good story. Um, So those offside moments that we do here on our podcast are those moments that make us laugh, shake our head. Uh, you know, smack our foreheads with people's stupidity, whatever it is. So uh, in honor of you being our guest tonight, I'm going to leave you uh, with the offside. So uh, what do you have to share for our audience as your offside moment tonight? Well, okay, well, this is honestly one of the funniest things that's ever happened to me. So a few years ago, I went to Joe Rogan's uh, stand-up special in Toronto. My brother-in-law is a huge fan of him, and my sister actually got us tickets for Christmas to go see him. And after the show, well, first of all, I'll, I'll share this part first is the Massey Hall elevator is so damn small. I almost didn't fit like literally probably within two centimeters of not being able to see Joe Rogan. We had wow. to take my headrest off. I had to tilt my chair all the way down just to fit in the stupid elevator. Um, 
and the show was great. We got in and you know, it was, it was very different. I'd only been to Massey Hall once before to see Sam Roberts. So I was a little familiar with it, but it's, it's just such a stark place. I, I was pretty thrown, like blown away by it. Mm-hmm. Um, after the show, we left about five minutes before he was over because you they have speakers all over Massey so you can hear it. So we went down and we asked the security guard, do you need a VIP ticket to meet Joe Rogan? He goes, no, he always meets all his fans, but, you know, you got to be ready. So he brought us to the front of the line. And right before I meet Joe Rogan, Russell Peters walks right by me. <laughs> and he turns around and looks me dead in the face with his freaking drink in his hand, God knows what it was, rum and coke, whatever. He looks at me dead in the eye and goes, ah, the old wheelchair trick, eh? It works every time. I'm not falling for your (laughs) bullshit. And I just, that was a fanboy moment. We talked about that earlier, and I just lost it. And that is by far one of the funniest things someone has ever said to my face. That's That's pretty fantastic. What was your, I mean, did you just like, you just laughing at him or what? Oh, I died. I was laughing so hard. And he was gone before I could even process it. Like, he must have been like five or six drinks in because he was pretty, he wasn't wasted, but but he was tipsy, that's for sure. And and my brother-in-law was like, why didn't you stop for a picture? I'm like, honestly, I couldn't believe it, man. It took me like probably three days to process it, to be absolutely honest. That's amazing. So you just left. Yeah, like, what, did you get to meet Joe Rogan that night, or was it just, or was getting roasted by Russell Peters just the 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 icing on the cake? I mean, that would have been enough. But I actually was able to meet Joe Rogan, and honestly, one of the nicest guys you can meet. He's just such a genuine person, and he's funny. Oh my god, so cool! He's man. just hilarious. So cool. The old wheelchair trick. <laughs> you pulled the old wheelchair trick. Way to go. That's awesome, man. Listen, it has been, and Andy said it. I know Andy, uh, I've obviously, I've known these guys for a very long time. Andy is probably one of the most driven entrepreneurs that I know. And so I know that he has enjoyed uh, having you on to pick your brain about the social media side of things and marketing and how you're doing things. And the initiative to go out and get it uh, is what is probably deeply uh, relevant to what we do here on the team ability no excuses podcast so as i said from the beginning off the air before we hit go with you um you know there's a lot of crossover a lot of like-mindedness around uh these virtual tables tonight as we sit and talk to you so uh very blessed to uh to have you be a be our guest tonight man appreciate you tons awesome yeah man thanks very much i i really appreciate the uh the chat we had tonight and you know, we'll stay in touch for sure. I, I look forward to meeting you guys for real when all this crap is over. <laughs> no, no e-meetings, right? But uh, but actual meetings. Very cool. Yes, Very cool definitely. Stuff. All right. Once again, you can follow uh, Clay uh, on social media at uh, Cognizant Clay um, or Cognizant Space Clay on YouTube. You can check out all the social channels. And trust me, you want to do that. Uh, this guy is bringing that real talk uh, and, and, and just being himself and being deeply transparent. That's uh, that's one thing that I uh, will cherish about tonight, man. You're about as real as it gets. And so uh, thanks very much. Uh, if you are learning about clay for the first time, you can go back and uh, follow all that. If you're learning about us for the first time, you can go back and check out any old episode that you would like on all major podcast platforms. 
uh, Team Ability No Excuses podcast is available anywhere you listen to these things as you're stuck in quarantine and got nothing better to do. Put your earbuds in uh, and go back in time with us as we try and bring real talk to matters of disability with no excuses. Andy, thanks again. Bretsky, you're a champion, man. Buddy, thank you so much. <laughs> Cognizant Clay, man, it's been our pleasure. Thanks, dude. Yeah, for sure, man. You guys have a great night. All right. On behalf of the Team Ability No Excuses podcast, this is Chad saying goodnight. Cheers, guys.